happy haunts materialize. Ambient to vocalize. Grim, grinning ghosts come out to socialize. Hey there, welcome to Shoot the Flick. I'm Frankie Spock. And I'm Scott Eisenberg. And we are a married couple who like to shoot the shit about movies. That we do. That we do. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the continuation of Spoopy Month. Indeed it is. Last week we discussed a legitimately scary horror film. And this week (laughs) we are discussing... A legitimately not scary, not horror film. (laughs) Indeed. It is a sequel to a Halloween film that we discussed last season on Shoot the Flick. And of course, because it's me introducing Scott to a movie this week, it is also a DCOM. That's right. A Disney Channel original movie. Scott, what movie have I chosen to torture you with? I mean, show you today. You chose to show me the movie Halloween Town 2, Calabar's Revenge. Don't you mean Chocolate Bar's Revenge? (laughs) 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 Oh no. Yes, Halloween Town 2, Electric Boogaloo, was released (laughs) in the great year of 2001. The same year as another decom that we discussed on this show was released. The great St. Patrick's Day classic, Luck of the Irish. So um, if you listen to our review of that film or the original Halloween Town, you will understand the kind of gold that we're in for here, guys. <laughs> Let, let's just start off with the top. We have time travel, interdimensional travel, magic, uh, being able to speak through walls. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's, you know, listen, (laughs) if you listen to our review of the original Halloween Town last year, you will know really two things. One, Halloween Town is objectively not a good movie, however, it is a great time capsule of what Disney Channel original movies used to be in the late 90s, early 2000s. The second thing you will know is that that film, for whatever reason, completely broke mine and Scott's psyche. I We actually re-listened to that particular episode just to prepare ourselves for this film because I, I gave Scott the option of watching Halloween Town again and he screamed in terror. <laughs> the, oh, oh, the option to watch it again, yes, no. <laughs> yeah, no, we, we, I wasn't going to torture him that much and make him watch it again. Yeah, for whatever reason, that, that movie, its illogicalness, its cheapness, its corniness, it just drove us completely out of our minds. But yeah, Scott, just to start us off here, like, how would you compare this cinematic masterpiece to its predecessor? Uh, technically I have them rated the same, but they're not. I think Halloween Town knows what it is better than Halloween Town 2. Because I think Halloween Town was just like, oh, we're throwing together this little cheap kids magic movie. And it's like, oh, these kids go to this magical town. And and then they're like, oh, hey, let's make a sequel. What? We didn't really plan for a sequel. Let's make a sequel. Oh, okay. Um, can we be in the Magic Town only half the time? Yeah, but let's make the Magic Town not really magical. Um, let's make it as boring and dreary as possible. And also, you know those rules we established in the first movie? Let's abandon those and make up some new rules that are even more convoluted. <laughs> this movie's main lesson throughout the entire movie is fuck the rules. They don't matter. Make up your own rules in life, kids. You want to murder that guy? It's fine. Fuck oh, the no. rules. Oh, no. Are you talking to Sophie? Yes. The demon child? By the way, there are certain things from the first movie that are continued. One of them being the fact that Sophie is a future, like, evil genius that's going to take over the world. <laughs> but I digress. 
this film was another decom that I watched a lot growing up and loved very much at the time. But then, you know, looking back on it years later, I don't think I've seen it probably since I was like a young teen, tween girl. Uh, and it is definitely one of those movies that you watched as a child and really loved, but then looking back as an adult, you're like, oh, this is terrible, but I still look fondly on it because childhood. Kind of that. A lot of DCOMs fall in that category for me, obviously, right? We discussed High School Musical 1 and 2 <laughs> to many people's dismay, but that's that's kind of where a lot of DCOMs are for me. And uh, it is the second of four Halloween Town movies. Still ridiculous. That's right. Four <laughs> Halloween Town movies. But despite that, I'm I'm actually really excited to talk about this movie. Oh yeah, let's talk about this fun movie that is false advertising from the very beginning. Well, what do you mean? Like the cuz the title? Yes, the title. Well, the title. If anything, the title's a spoiler. <laughs> it, it's false advertising. Calabar's not even in this movie. Yes, well, so for those of you that don't know, Calabar was the villain in the first movie. And by naming this movie Calabar's Revenge, it immediately gives away that the bad guy in this movie is working at least in Calabar's stead. It turns out that it's not actually Calabar, it's Calabar's son, but we'll we'll get there, guys. Thank God it's Calabar's son, though, because Scott thought it was going another way. That was very not Disney appropriate. <laughs> oh, Disney does a bunch of bad shit. It's fine. It's fine. Uh huh. Mm. Just wait till High School Musical three, Scott. Anyway, <laughs> this movie was directed by Mary Lambert. She has directed several music videos in her career, many of which are Madonna videos. Mm -hmm. uh, she also directed Pet Cemeteries 1 and 2 and a like shitty Hallmark-esque Christmas movie last year with um, Carrie Alwes and Brooke Shields. I, the only reason I've, I regret to inform you that I did watch it because Carrie Alwes, <laughs> but it it wasn't good. It's called A Castle for Christmas. It's not good. <laughs> Did someone get a castle for Christmas? No, Carrie always is like some duke or prince or something. I don't know. It was bad. It's, so, it's fucking bad. Okay? So who, who hates Christmas in the movie? Oh, Carrie Elwes. Um, and then Brooke Shields is like uh, a cheesy romance author. And uh, she goes there for inspiration for um, her next novel. I'm, I don't remember all the plot. But she she goes there and then meets grumpy, Grinch-type character Carrie Elwes. And then they fall in love. And then he loves Christmas at the end. Oh, of course. Uh, yeah. that that's, Ain't that always the way? That's, that's the way. The movie was also written by John Cooksey and Allie Marie Matheson, who are two of the writers from the OG film. And it was also composed by the same composer as the last film, Michael Mothersbaugh, the lead singer of Devo. Ah, whip it. Whip it real good. You know what other film score he composed? No, I don't. The score to a little movie called Thor Ragnarok, ah. <laughs> which we did a, a review on. So he doesn't only do cheapo decoms from the early 2000s he does you know real movies so yeah i'm i'm excited to discuss this film and all of its many intricacies i almost hope that it drives us equally and or even more insane than the first movie did let oh, us hope <laughs> yes let us hope it should be very interesting scott seems a little uh, doubtful of that statement but that's okay i'm here to turn it around guys uh, are we ready to get into the nitty-gritty? Yes, let us do this. I am glad we mentioned Michael Mothersbaugh as the composer of this film because the opening credits of this film begin with the pretty much exact same Halloween carnival music that was present in the first film, akin to perhaps a Killer Clowns of Outer Space. I mentioned that in the first review, too, and it made Scott angry, and it's making him just as angry right now. Killer Clowns is such a better movie and does not deserve to be put in the same category as Halloween Town. Another door! Anyway, uh, <laughs> feel free to listen to our Killer Clowns of Outer Space review. But what I noticed, and I'm sure the first one had a similar vibe because, of course, it did. But this one, I feel like even more so, has a very, like, almost sitcom-y vibe with its uh, score and its, like, 
sound effects. There's one point where there's almost like a wah, wah, wah. And like, like something happens and it goes a little wrong and the music just like lets the audience know like this is a bad moment. Oh, how silly. We must shake our heads in disapproval. Uh, that, you got, the, oh, the mother and the grandmother all fighting and the kids are in the middle. Oh, oh yes, you know, God. typical 90s sitcom type premise. But yes, we are reintroduced to our family, the Cromwells, and they're having a Halloween party at their house. And we basically get reintroduced to every single person in the family. So let's let's have a roll call, shall we? So first things first, we have Marnie, who is now 15 years old, and she's played by Kimberly J. Brown. Uh, she is our protagonist in this film. We have the grandmother, Aggie, a.k.a. the Super Witch Supreme, played by Debbie Reynolds, who's like, you know, an actual legend who was in all four of these movies, which astounds me. Cash in the paycheck. <laughs> but I mean, she, she was having herself a time. She, of course, was in Singing in the Rain back in the 50s. And uh, then we have the mom named Gwen, who's played by Judith Hogue. We have the middle brother, Dylan. Dylan? who has we keep calling him Dylon throughout this movie for some stupid reason his balls have dropped his voice is deeper now he's he's a, a man <laughs> and he's played by joey zimmerman and then of course we have the littlest member of the cromwell family we have sophie played by emily roski who is again as we mentioned earlier like the potential future evil mastermind that's gonna take over the world um so yeah any thoughts about this uh, beautiful family before we jump into Yes, before things? we jump into this real quick. The thing that bothers me about sequels is when clearly no one learned from the first movie. I feel like we have the same exact dynamics from the first movie yes. just in the second movie. Yes. Like we had at the end of the first movie like, oh, we all learn and we're all going to move forward together and we went right backwards yeah at the end of the first movie essentially the problem was you know marnie discovers she's a witch her whole family is witches but her mom wants to stay in the mortal world slash human world and the grandmother aggie wants marnie to be trained as a witch and to carry on the family line and then at the end of the movie they you know they all accept that they are witches and they accept that side of their of themselves and their family and they the the grandma moves in with the the, the kids and they're all a big happy family and then this movie it basically starts out the same way. Grandma and mom are fighting essentially over Marnie and whether or not she is going to live in the human world or go to Halloween Town and be trained as a witch primarily. And basically it's set up in the beginning that eventually when she does graduate high school in a few years, she's going to have to make a choice between the human world and the magical witchy world. Dylan doesn't believe in magic anymore. Halloween's not his thing. Well, he d he does believe in magic. He knows that magic exists. He just is very much in denial and doesn't really like want that part of his life at all. He kind of just wants to be normal. Dylan, Dylan, Dylan. <laughs> we we should address why we call Dylan Dylan. Okay, so <laughs> this is gonna be like a deep cut for some people. Um, there's this YouTuber called Dead Meat James. James A. Janice, he has a great YouTube channel. He does uh, a show called The Kill Count where he goes through different horror movies and he makes jokes about them and he talks about all the different kills and it's really, really funny. Before doing that show, he had another YouTube channel, Practical Folks, that's what it was called. And he did this show with a bunch of his friends called Drunk Disney. And in that show, he drunkenly with his friends reviewed Halloween Town and he kept calling the character Dylan in these movies, Dylan. <laughs> Dylan. Dylan. Five best warlocks in the world. Dylan, 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 and Calabar. Because they were drunk and making fun of it and it was silly. So because of that, we call him Dylan. I just, I felt like it, without context, although with context, it also sounds weird. So whatever, it doesn't matter. The point is, <laughs> Dylan is there to be annoying and he does his job well. Perhaps too well. <gasps> But yeah, we get our first glimmer of the sheer unadulterated power of young Sophie when they're all just having a grand old time enjoying the party, 
eating candy, dancing about, frolicking and such. And Sophie just stops dead, like legitimately out of an actual horror movie. And the grandma's like, what's wrong with you? And she's like, something evil is coming. Like, it's just, it's very weird and very creepy. And no one else has this like sixth sense kind of feeling not even the oldest of the old Cromwells she doesn't even get a a spooky feeling but tiny little Sophie gets this sinking suspicion that something evil is afoot well because Sophie you know killed her father oh my god (laughs) (laughs) and (laughs) she has inherited this dark magic I really I mean if they were smart and mind you I have not seen Halloween Town 3 or 4 But I don't think it's brought up in any which way because I feel like I would know. It would have been so smart to like continue this through line that like Sophie is the most powerful witch on the planet. And like she goes evil for like half of a movie and then the Cromwell witches have to save her from herself. Like that would be amazing if this was a real horror franchise and not just like, you know, a kitty franchise, then that would probably have happened by now. Yeah, Sophie... Honestly, Sophie and Dylan, they're almost side thoughts in this movie. Oh, yeah, but to be fair, they are in the first one, too. No, yes, they are. Dylan is. Sophie's fucking there changing the locked lock into a frog. Like, nothing gets done without Sophie in the first movie. In this one, it's like, oh, yeah, Sophie's there. I I see what you're saying, yeah. I mean, they're all there because they were in the first one. But as everyone else is is chilling in the party, we meet a cute boy, of course, a cute teenage boy named Cal. And Marnie is immediately Twitter-padded with him. And I immediately thought that this was going to be Calabar trying to... Seduce Gwen's daughter? That's what you thought? In this Disney movie for children? Just for context, Calabar, like I said, was the villain in the last movie, and he was an ex-boyfriend of Marnie's mom. So it just seems relatively unlikely that they, in the sequel they would put the grown-ass man and shapeshift him into a teenage boy so he could seduce her daughter. He was reborn, and Corbin Blue made out with his teacher in High School Musical 2. He didn't make... Oh, my he God. He grabbed her and kissed her. <laughs> oh, my God. So, you know, Disney Channel gets away with a lot of shit. Yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay, okay. So, anyway, back in, you know, Earth. I've never left. The cute boy named Cal enters, ooh, and his cute dad named M. Alex. Yeah, sure, that's that's for sure your dad. Um, but just something to mention about the cute boy named Cal. He is played by Daniel Counts. I'm going to pretend I'm sure that that's how his name is pronounced. And what's interesting about Daniel Counts is his connection with Kimberly J. Brown, who plays Marnie. Ah. Now, this movie what came out in 2001, right? Okay, okay. And after they made the movie, these two, they went on their merry way, mm. la da yeah, okay, yeah. living their lives, indeed, indeed. having themselves a time. Ah. Then, about 15 years later, okay. they were reunited when Kimberly J. Brown was doing uh, some YouTube video on her channel and she brought back Daniel to like do a bit, I'm assuming, with her. And um, after that video, they began a relationship and they very recently became engaged. Oh, very nice. So I always thought that was kind of funny. I follow her on Instagram, Kimberly J. Brown, hit me up. I love you. And she goes to cons and stuff like she's probably killing it right now with like all the Halloween-y type cons that are going on at the moment. But yeah, I always thought it was kind of funny that these two characters who were set up in the beginning of this movie to be very Twitter padded with one another eventually got together in real life. It's kind of similar to our relationship, Scott, you know, we we met when we were youngsters, oh. went off to college, lived our lives and then came back together years later. Uh, oh, I, Not 15 years later, but still. I thought you were going to say, yeah, we met on a set and I'm like, wait. Yes, no, we what? met on <laughs> we met on a movie set, a celebrity. <laughs> we didn't tell you guys, but we've actually been movie stars for quite a long time. I am secretly Cameron Diaz. Now, <laughs> now. <laughs> I retired for a long time, but now I'm back. Okay, yeah. Um, <laughs> so anyway, I just thought I wanted to mention that cute little anecdote. So 
this this is where the movie well this is one of the points where the movie gets stupid believe it or not marnie wants to impress this cute boy yes so she takes him to her bedroom which marnie that's a no-no you just met this boy and you're already taking him to your bedroom no no <laughs> but then they go to her bedroom and the guy is like oh this is so boring and plain this doesn't seem like you oh i'm looking for more excitement in teen girls bedrooms so <laughs> so let's go to your grandmother's room it's so bizarre i don't remember it being set up this way but literally marnie's retort is oh well there's my grandma's room and the guy is just like oh sounds cool like what <laughs> And then uh, Marnie kind of like magics up this secret door in the hallway that leads to Aggie's secret witchy bedroom with all like different witchy things in there, including her famous spell book. And um, of course, in the midst of flirting with Marnie and, you know, giving her the googly eyes, Cal manages to steal the book on the sly. Oh, yeah. Oh, honey, no, you're not supposed to just let the boys in your magic room on the first meeting. In your oh, no. In your secret magic garden. Yes, it's some, <laughs> it's some very uh, subliminal Disney messaging there. As Cal is leaving the Halloween party at Marnie's house, he asks her on a date to go to their local high school Halloween slash costume party later that night. Indeed. And she is very, like, into it. She's like, oh, yes, the hot boy asked me out. I'm so excited. But, Dad, I'm going to go home for a bit, you know. Feel free to stay here, you know. The dad is so sketchy. Like, the obviously, we know that his real dad is Calabar, right? So this fake dad, whoever the fuck he is, is sketchy as shit. He is very Twitter padded with the mom, Gwen. He's like upper asshole. And it's just super duper creepy. He also is obsessed with the color green and says her eyes are so beautiful. They look like lily pads in a beautiful stream. And it's like, hmm, okay, something's wrong with this man. And I totally had forgotten what it was before we watched this movie. So I was very perturbed but we'll get there yeah you were um, very you were very riveted <laughs> riveted yes <laughs> certainly um <laughs> i see what you did there uh-huh. so cal leaves the party and he goes to the bus stop where you go in and out of halloween town because before in the first movie it is established that you can only go back and forth between halloween town and the real world um on halloween night he ends up magicking himself into halloween town And after that, (gasps) Aggie's magical bag of wonderment stops working. What is Aggie's magical bag of wonderment? Well, I should say, is that a euphemism again? No, no, not a euphemism. Gross. It's fucking (laughs) Debbie Reynolds. Have some respect. (laughs) In the first movie, it's established she has this very Mary Poppins type carpet bag filled with goodies. And it uh, is actually like magically connected to her home back in Halloween Town. Once the bag stops working, she gets nervous that something is wrong in Halloween Town. So her and Marnie decide to take a trip back to Halloween Town to figure out what's going on. But they have to leave a skull to Dylan, <clears throat> just in case, so they can call interdimensionally. Because now they can actually do that interdimensionally. Well, yes, Scott, their technology is up since the first movie. But babe, they're not just skull heads. They're they're called headphones. Get it? Get guys, do you get it? It's literally like two shrunken heads, literally out of Party City. They're like pink and blue. They're got glitter all over them. It's fucking. They just went to Party City and picked up some Halloween decorations. They basically use them like you know how you would use a tin can and string like as kids to talk to each other. It's basically like that. You speak into the ear of one of the skulls, and then the mouth of the other skull talks. It's actually like a cute little idea. But it's, you know, it's clever when you're seven, which is perfectly fine for this movie. Yeah, otherwise it's quite silly. But yes, they go back to Halloween Town, but it's a trap. (gasps) It's a trap. It's a trap. So Aggie and Marnie go to Halloween Town. And in the first movie, if you'll remember, it's a very vibrant town, very colorful, very silly, admittedly, very cheap, also admittedly, but very colorful and vibrant and Halloweeny. This world that they return to 
is all black and white and it's just very dreary and everybody is subdued and not fun at all. Uh, And most notably, in the center of the town square, in the first movie, there is a big, beautiful, glorious jack-o'-lantern in the middle of the town and it is symbolizing Halloween town. And instead of that... There's a box. A big white brick block of nothing and um they soon find out that cal is behind all of this and he has stolen the the spell book from aggie's room and casted the gray spell indeed making the whole town just dreary and sad and pathetic and we hear more from cal um in probably the worst effect of the entire movie it's distractingly bad and uncomfortable to look at for more than like a second or two at a time. Well, it's funny because they did this earlier and you were like, what the fuck was that? Where they had like a face appear in the the light. Oh, yes. But that was at least trying to be subtle. <laughs> it wasn't, but it, it was trying to be. It was trying to be. But this one, Cal's face pops out of a wall like he's fucking Olmec from Legends of the Hidden Temple. And he starts going. Very good, Aggie. You're keeping up nicely. How? You cast this spell in Halloween Town? Just the way it was written in Aggie's little spell book. <laughs> you naughty girl. <laughs> this is my evil plan. You're trapped here. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he he goes into like his first of quite a few evil speeches. But what's weird about this particular effect is, like, they're clearly using uh, visual effects to project Calabar's face onto this brick wall. And it's it's not a good role to give someone who does... Not, like, this guy needs a Jim Carrey-type face that can do many much expressions and can exude a lot of emotion and evil and things through just his face and his eyes. This guy, I'm sure he's lovely. Uh, you know, I'm sure in real life he is a lovely guy, but this 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 wasn't it for him. It was just very creepy and very uncomfy. Yeah, it looked that way. Th- that visual was distractingly bad, unfortunately. But moving on from that, um, Aggie and Marnie decide that they're going to go over to Aggie's house with Luke in tow. Luke shows up. Yes. uh, Their old goblin friend from the first movie. But he's human. Yes. He's human now and he's black and white and he's played by Philip Van Dyke. And um, they all decide they're going to go over to Aggie's house and they're going to try to find the spare copy of the book that she has. Yes. Cal, he does mention that in order to get revenge for his dad... He wants to not only get revenge on Halloween Town, but also the mortal world because he hates humans. I guess that was their way of involving both the human world and Halloween Town, maybe because they didn't have as much time in Halloween Town monetarily as they would in the first movie. I guess. But anyway, they end up going to Aggie's house looking for her spare spell book. And this is where we get one of the most dumb editing choices I've ever seen in a movie well we have to keep the kids attention scott we're not going to focus on them looking for the book so we are going to press the fast forward button yeah and of course they can't find it marnie is trying to give aggie some kind of pep talk and then magically luke turns back into a goblin it's implied that there's a that she inadvertently said a spell that fixed everything but they don't really focus on that they're like oh great luke's back oh but it might not last forever so quick let's let's go we had to keep trying to find the book um (laughs) uh so they end up going to some guy's house named gort who they established earlier in the movie um aggie mentioned that this guy named gort is this like grouchy big goblin man and he lives in this cottage where anything that gets lost in any other dimension or in Halloween Town, it always ends up in Gort's house. Exactly. So they go over there to try to find the book. But Gort has been grayified. Oh, yes. And I just want to mention Gort. He's played by Blue Mankuma, 
who is a character actor slash voice actor in a lot of film and television. He seems to play a cop or a detective a lot in things, but um, he was in my favorite show, Scott. Do you, do you know, Scott, do, do you know what it is? Your favorite show? Yeah. Hmm. Do you know? Hmm. Guys, do you know? He was in Supernatural! Oh. <laughs> He was in season two of Supernatural. He played a doctor that got mind fucked by a psychic guy and he ended up getting mind fucked into walking in front of a bus and he died. And then he ended up in Halloween Town. And then he ended up in Halloween Town. Well, actually, no, that was after his stint in Halloween Town, too. So this he was a goblin man in Halloween Town and then he was resurrected. After his eventual death, because like I said, he's a grouch, so he probably pissed somebody off and they killed him for being an asshole. Uh. And then he got reincarnated as a guy in the human world that got killed by a bus. Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) they go to Gort's house. And he is greyified, as we said before. Yes. He has sold all his garbage stuff. He's gray and neat and nice. <laughs> yes, and he's trying to match all the unmatched socks. But he does tell the gang that he sold Aggie's spare spell book in a yard sale. We find out later he sold it to Calabar like 50 years ago. So they eventually figure out like, oh, so Calabar always had Aggie's spell book. So then why did he steal the one from Aggie's room, Aggie's bedroom? And they're like, oh... He stole it from Maggie's bedroom so we couldn't reverse the spell later on when he decided he was going to enact his evil plan. God damn it, this guy is smart. Or this is just ridiculously dumb. That is also... Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So, (laughs) eventually, while they're trying to figure out what the fuck to do... Luke starts turning gray again along with Aggie because she's been in Halloween Town for a while now and she's from there so it, it you know that's why she starts turning gray before Marnie does but they end up getting trapped in this house why are they trapped in the house I don't know but they try to get out and the doors won't open and there are no windows in this house also which why I don't know it doesn't matter anyway <laughs> haven't you heard of a windowless house Frankie Sure. Some people don't want... Like a furnace? (laughs) Sure. Some people don't want sun, Frankie. I mean, I guess if you're a grouchy goblin man that lives in Halloween Town and you hate people, yeah, you don't want light or windows in your home. But like also, for the sake of just general real estate, like why would you build a house with no windows? Did he build this house or did he inherit this house or did he just buy it outright? It, there are questions that need to be answered, Scott. I don't know the real estate of... Why did they get locked in the house? Oh, because Calabar did it, right? Because he shows up in a fireplace like he's fucking serious Black in the Harry Potter movies. He pops up in the fireplace just to go, Oogie Boogie, I'm uh, watching you. <laughs> why don't you come on a date with me? Why My future you, wife. <laughs> while you watch your mother perish. ha, 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 ha. <laughs> yes, because meanwhile, while all this is happening back in the human world, the mom Gwen is flirting with Cal's fake dad, Alex. At one point, he leaves the party because he asks Gwen to like co-chaperone the high school Halloween party with him. Okay. Okay. They <laughs> they make that plan right. He's leaving the house. Dylan's like, yeah, bye, man. He turns around and then hears a ribbit and then turns back around and there's just a frog on the floor. No Alex, but a frog. And he's like, hmm, that's strange. Now, to a normal person, maybe it wouldn't be so peculiar and alarming. But your your whole family's fucking witches, bro. Like you you don't you don't sense that anything's wrong with that. <laughs> well, not only that. Okay. Well, let's, let's focus on the mother real quick. She has a bad picker. Uh, a, she has a bad picker. B, she is so thirsty also. It's yes. Because like, well, she gross. has clearly been, hasn't been fucked in a couple of years. I mean... Let's let's look at it this way. Alex, he seems charming. But, sure. But he just moved here. He's asking you on a date to the high school dance to be a chaperone for school his son technically isn't enrolled in yet. It's so weird. Like, none of this adds up. Mm-hmm. 
she's ready to leap and into she, the sash. He, he shows, uh, that's funny, he shows back up to the house to pick her up to go to the high school dance to chaperone on their date. Gross, weird. In a frog costume. Ah, yes. And by this point, Sophie's already suspicious of this guy. She's like, I think he's a golem made of frogs. Okay, sure. That makes as much sense as anything else in this movie. Okay, cool. So Yeah, to my she- knowledge... Golems, because it's golem. I don't think it's right. golem. Yeah, she calls it a golem, though. I she think. does call it a golem, but it's... Yeah. it's because Lord of the Rings! <laughs> it's the uh, same time as this movie. But I'm pretty sure golems are like made out of the clay or stone. They're not made out no, of frogs. No, Scott, Scott, this one is made out of frogs. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> don't question it. Anyway! You want to get froggy, Frankie? Sophie, No. <laughs> Not with this movie. So, yeah. This is the real fuckery that I wanted to get to. The guy comes back in a frog costume, has a mask for mom to ha- to wear to this uh, date slash chaperoning extravaganza, whatever. Sophie is like, why'd you dress like a frog? Hmm? What's that about? And, you know, she- mom's like, eh, don't worry about Sophie. Everything's fine. I want to get laid. Shut the fuck up. And then... As they are leaving the house to go on this weird date, she turns to him and says, I hope you don't give me warts. Oh, come on! Ew! Ew, this movie! Ew, 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 ew. Yuck. <laughs> I, listen, I get Disney sometimes slips adult jokes into their movies, you know, for the, for the, for the grown-ups, for the parents. Cool, man. But, like, warts, though? Warts, though. Really? Mm-hmm. Ugh, I'm repulsed. Anyway, <laughs> so uh, back in Halloween Town, which and is arguably less weird than the human world at this point. Yes. Fucking grandma is like off her rocker and she's black and white, sorting socks with fucking Gort. And Marnie and Luke are like, okay, what the fuck do we do now? We're trapped in this house and we can't go anywhere because Cal has trapped us in here what what the fuck what do we do so marnie says let's use time travel to take us to another time before the gray spell happened what which so many implications to this that don't make any sense if you can go back in time to before the gray spell started yes in halloween town yes then why don't you just leave and go to grandma who lives in Halloween Town, or just go go anywhere, go to somebody and be like, "This is happening. It's the past, so we can stop it now." Oh, this like is- you know what? Have you seen fucking Back to the Future, Marty? You're like one letter off from Marty. Like you know, come on, man, get it together. <laughs> this is why you like this movie, isn't it? No. It's the time travel shit. No, I actually totally forgot that time travel was in this movie. For some reason, the writers of this movie were like, you know what Halloween Town was missing? Fucking time travel. (laughs) The other thing is, Debbie Reynolds clearly states in the first movie, two weeks in Halloween Town is like an hour in the human world. Yes, it's very timey-wimey over there. But here, no. We have a time limit that's the thing, too, because they have the ticking clock, of course, right? So in the first movie, like Scott said, two hours in Halloween Town, two days or two weeks in the real world. And they also say in the beginning of this movie, like, if Marnie goes to Halloween Town to do training with Aggie for a year, it'll feel like a hundred years in Halloween Town, but it'll only be a year in the human world. So, like, there's, there's still timey-wimey bullshit in Halloween Town, but for the sake of this movie, there has to be a ticking clock. So when they first go into Halloween Town to try to save the day, they're like, okay, d- we need to fix this whole situation in four hours. We only have four hours because it, once the door closes, it's done. But, Frankie, what negates a ticking clock? time travel exactly why do we need to have a ticking clock when we could just go back in time like even if the door was gonna close hey let's go back in time one minute 
the ticking clock goes away the moment you introduce time travel. Wait, oh my god, my brain. Wait, okay, yeah, no, that also, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. If I travel back to 1969 and I was frozen in 1967, presumably I could go visit my frozen self. But if I'm still frozen in 1967, how could I have been unthawed in the 90s and traveled back to, oh no, I've gone cross-eyed? Well, maybe because it's a different dimension. Halloween Town's supposed to be a different dimension. So whether they go back in time in Halloween Town, the Earth dimension still stays the same. The human world dimension is still the same. So at midnight at that time... I suggest you don't worry about this sort of thing and just enjoy yourself. That goes for you all, too. Yes. The point is there is absolutely zero purpose to there being time travel in this movie. It Zero. actually causes more questions than it, it does really, answers. It really does. It just seemed like a totally unnecessary thing. And it just, it, there's really, it, it feels like they just put it in there so they can say they did time travel. Or so, when they want to go back to the present time, they can open up a door into this sick wormhole effect that they dredged up in their VFX computers. It's literally like a sheet of graph paper put into like a swirly thing and they're like it's it's it comes off very like magic school bus like pbs tv show but, like let's go back in time but, cyber chase that's what i was thinking yes. it comes off like cyber chase they figure out the counter curse basically to the gray spell because for some reason this was a stretch to this whole like plot point in the movie they try to recreate everything that marnie said before when uh luke's gray spell got reversed and they're like okay so what actually did you say to make this happen and they figured out that she said trap and then the word uh right after it so trappa is like the counter curse because yeah a part is the curse that makes it gray and then trappa is the uh. it doesn't make any fucking sense because no. every other spell they do in this fucking movie is like another language either Sumerian or Welsh or some other fucking language but this one is a part oh yeah that, it's so funny and then the whole world turns black and white it doesn't make any fucking sense but whatever let's just fucking move on this movie is so much more convoluted than it needs to be it's kind of like what Scott was saying before in the beginning where it's like this movie f for some reason it like got too high off its own supply from the first movie. It was like, we need to be a franchise now. We're going to make a whole big fucking world out of this. We can have time travel. We can have fucking effects out the wazoo. We can make a whole MCU type universe out of Halloween Town. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> <laughs> oh my Whoa. god dr strange opens a portal suddenly exactly. marnie walks through i mean yeah like it's basically that and it's just like whoa honey whoa <laughs> for the love of god so <laughs> i'm just exhausted i'm exhausted reviewing this movie in a different way than i was exhausted doing the first it's movie so funny because in it's that it's so convoluted so we, we have to now go back through time again hooray and marnie takes a whole 30 seconds to explain the black hole theory to oh us. Oh my god, fuck off. I don't care. It's they so get back to the present. <laughs> Let's just fucking get there. They go on the magic school bus. Uh, I mean the Nimbus 2000. And they fucking fly through a damn black hole. They go back to the present. They save Aggie. She goes back into color. And they're like, okay, now we have to go back. Back where, Marty? Back to the future. Okay, now I'm going to pause there. We're going to go back. To, to the human world. Yes, exactly. Everything hurts. <laughs> yes. So Sophie convinces Dylan that something is afoot, and she thinks that... Evil? Is evil afoot? Evil is afoot. She finally convinces him that Alex is a golem, and she's like, okay... And Cal is bad guy. Cal is bad guy, so we must go. So Dylan's like, oh, okay, Sophie, we'll go. And Sophie grabs a broom. She's like, I haven't learned to fly yet, but we're going to go. Yay. <laughs> and there are a bunch of random human beings around who would have totally seen them flying through the air, just saying. Yeah, that's also an issue later in like the big finale of the movie, but we'll, we'll fucking get there too. So they go to the dance where they find their mom and they're like, he's a fucking frog person. And she's like, don't be silly. And Sophie conjures up a fly. 
Marnie can't do shit without saying like 50 words in another language or doing jazz fingers with Aggie. But this bitch right here, Sophie, she can conjure up a living, breathing thing by just a wave of her arm. Like she is going to be either our god or our destroyer. I don't know which yet. It's very scary implications. Always assume destroyer. But yeah, she conjures up a fly. Alex fucking tongues it. Oh, no, why? don't say tongues it, not tongues it. Oh, God. Yeah, and then the mom is like pissed and she does a fucking spell on him and then he bleh into a bunch of frogs. And again, no one notices this. Everyone's just too into the sick 2001 playlist hey, at this party. Hey, we got to count down to... November 1st, Frankie. Oh my god, that was so weird. That was the weirdest thing. It was, <laughs> that was the weirdest. What, um, no, definitely not the weirdest thing. But the mom and Dylan and Sophie are like, okay, we have to find Cal. Let's split up and, and look around. As they start doing that, the whole crowd at the Halloween party start counting down from 60 seconds. Oh, it's midnight on Halloween night. Hey, no one has ever done that. Ever. Yeah, because November 1st isn't special. B, I mean, fucking on New Year's Eve, they don't count out loud from 60 seconds. Like, who does that? And it just keeps going. It's like hilarious. I don't understand. But they need to, like, add to the tension, I guess. Because at midnight, the portal closes. So they have to bring up the tension. Yes. Also, Cal is in the rafters. Yes, because unbeknownst to the mom and the two younger siblings, Cal's master plan as far as the human world is something called the creature spell, which basically would turn all the humans into whatever they are dressed as. For example, if you're dressed like a vampire, you turn into a vampire. If you're dressed like a fucking one-eyed creepy ogre monster, you turn into that. The mom has a mask on, but it's like over her face. Like it's not actually on her because she's looking for Cal. And there is kind of a cool moment where she looks up into the rafters, sees Cal. Cal looks down at her and then kind of like magics her and swings down the mask over her face. And there is a, a Goosebumps episode like this where someone has a mask over their face and they can't take it yeah, off. I it always reminded that. me of that. But uh, yeah, that part was creepy and cool. But the rules to this particular spell are not clear. Of course. Something in Halloween Town unclear and it doesn't make any sense. Oh my God, it's crazy. So the people start turning into monsters. But not, not everyone. Not everyone. And I'm like, but what happens to like people who are just like a clown or a nurse? Like, do they become a nurse? <laughs> do uh, they just have like a whole ass nursing degree? There's also, I noticed a few people. Like one person was dressed like a cheerleader. Fucking Sophie was dressed like a goddamn cowgirl. Dylan was dressed like fucking Clint Eastwood. Yeah. <laughs> he was dressed like Marty McFly in Back to the Future. Ah. Yeah, it was weird. At first I thought it was just the people that are wearing masks get turned into whatever creature they are because the mom is wearing the mask and she turns into like some green like fucking muck monster i don't even know what the fuck it is but that was at least like a cool looking transition yeah her, um, her costume actually looked good but then like cindy who is this random girl we met earlier in the movie who's not important at all except that she turns down dylan yeah for a date turns into a vampire but she doesn't have a mask she just has like makeup on and yeah and like, it just turns into a vampire it's weird i don't know it's it's unclear like what the rules are but i mean again not really shocking but they have a very intense moment where as the bridge between these two worlds halloween town and the human world are closing off to each other there's this big gate that appears and is slowly but surely closing once they open this gate marnie and aggie have 16 seconds, that's when they open the gate, to walk through these clearly open doors. But instead, Marnie sits there, like, holding the doors open, like, I can stop it from closing. I'm like, just walk through them. You can fit through the door. <laughs> yeah, but again, Scott, tension. Tension. Uh, but the door closes. Oh, my God. No, we're locked in here. We have a whole year before we can see what happens. Oh, no. And Aggie, considering the fact that two of her grandchildren and her 
only daughter are on the other side of this gate and being the subject of like terrible fuckery by this guy Cal. Ah, uh, fuck it. She basically is like, oh, fuck it. She's like, oh, well, now, you know, at least, Marnie, we can train you and we can get you ready to fight Cal for next year. And Marnie's like, what the fuck are you talking about? I got to go back. But uh, Marnie calls her little sister, Sophie. She calls her on the headphone. And (laughs) it's weird that, like, they're having this very intense emotional conversation through Party City props. It kind of undercuts it a little bit. But, you know, at this point, we got 15 minutes left of the movie. Fuck it. They're talking and they're like, we can make up our own spell to open the portal forever. And we never have to have this problem again. And Sophie's like, we can't. And in her head, I feel like she was like, oh, I can fucking do this easily. I I don't even fucking need you, Marnie, please. I don't need you and Dylan. (laughs) I could kill all of you with the snap of my finger. Just like I did our father. (laughs) No. Oh, God. So, yeah, they do, you know, they all hold hands here on the subway. And (laughs) if you get that reference, you're my best friend. Dylan has the same issue that he had in the first movie where he's like, well, what do I do? And he's like, you have to believe, you fucking idiot. You shot lightning out of your hands in the first movie, man. Just believe, Tinkerbell. Um, So, yeah, they all believe and they say this spell that they just make up on the fly and for some reason they say it in complete unison even though they're all in different dimensions it's fine movie magic disney magic so they say the spell and the portal is open for all of eternity yeah bust that baby open and cal is pissed fuck the rules and then cal's like fine if good so good Take the book from me, but evil will win because good is dumb. Yeah. Um. Okay, so I kind of want to talk about this part. Okay. So Cal is evil, and he has evil black vines coming out yes. of his hands, covering the book, so he's evil, and Marnie is good, and she's all lit up around her, and she has this goodness aura she ah, is yes. she is good yes so they're they're going at it for the book and of mm. course good wins right cool but what's interesting about this scene is that because she is still like she still has a little bit of a soft spot for cal she's like i feel sorry for you i want to help you man i i can help you it gives off a very ray skywalker slash <laughs> kylo ren vibe it kind of does. Oh, I can help you later on in life. Mm-hmm. Ew, ew. They they're gonna get married, Scott. This is don't make this impure. <laughs> but the point. Is, <laughs> yeah, but the point. The it, warts comment already did that. That's also yeah. No, true. Okay, never mind. Anyway, yeah, Marnie is very much like give peace a chance. Just give Aggie's books back, and we can help you. You don't have to you know take on your father's dark legacy you can be your own man and yeah of course he doesn't do that he is bad guy and he is defeated and disappears but i I did like the idea that like you know he's not completely evil very kylo ren and marnie does want to like help him because she's still got a little bit of the hots for the cute teen boy yes well we don't know who his mother is (gasps) <gasps> Ew. <laughs> what are we saying? That it's Gwen and like they're going to be like Luke and Leia? <laughs> Ew, Scott. Damn you. <laughs> Why? But yeah, Cal disappears and it's a very like, oh, he'll be back kind of situation. And uh, I thought they were going to like end the movie on like a real like solid teaser for him. Like, you know, standing over like a cauldron or something like, <laughs> but they don't. They just... Go back to Halloween Town and Marnie's like, now I don't have to choose between the human world and the Halloween Town world. And like the mom's on the side, like, but like for argument's sake, like, who were you going to pick? Me or your grandma? Like, who? Like, uh, come on, Marnie. Inquiring minds want to know. But uh, she doesn't have to pick now. So I guess that's a good thing. And then they go back to Halloween Town and they save the whole world from being gray And they leave off with a subtle indication that they're going to bring internet service into Halloween Town. Aggie says something along the lines of, now this interweb you're talking about, are there spiders in it? (laughs) Oh, Aggie, you dumb bitch. (laughs) You stupid boomer. (laughs) How do I use the Google? No, not the Google. 
what's it? What's it? Now I heard about Ask Jeeves. Oh God, help us! All right, so that was Halloween Town Two, Chocolate Bars Revenge. Now the YouTube. Oh my God. Anyway, Scott. What did you think about Halloween Town 2? Better or worse than the first one? Would you ever watch it again sober? <laughs> Do you think I should watch Halloween Town 3 so we can torture you some more <laughs> what what do you think? Final thoughts and include your letterboxed rating okay. I'm actually gonna update my letterbox rating. Oh I'm, no, I'm gonna drop it to a two. <gasps> You son of a bitch. <laughs> um, because you had it at a two and a half. I had, you it, finished? I had it at a two and a half. You little bastard. <laughs> um, this movie is definitely not as good as the first one. Wow, that's saying something. <laughs> that's definitely saying something. And it's funny because there are times where it's like, oh, we had more of a budget here. And then there are times where like, no, we didn't. Yeah. I mean, the visual effects in this one are somehow worse than the ones in Halloween Town 1. But I'm trying to remember if there even was visual effects in Halloween Town 1. No, not really. I really don't think there was even. Except for like lightning. Yeah. CGI can sometimes really be an asshole. Could ruin anything. Phantom Menace. Well, Calabar did go through a portal. Oh, yeah. True. Uh, yeah. So there I were there were a couple, but like either e- way, they're shitty. <laughs> at the same time, feels worse and better in places, but the whole story is kind of a muddled mess. It is. And honestly, it feels like a regression from the first one. Wow, I so, love how we're talking about this so genuinely, like analytically. It's it, great. It is in the same breath. Like it's it a is, real movie. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but in the same breath, it is a dumb kids movie. Right. This feels a lot more like shaking the rattle in front of your kid's face than the first one did. So if you need to distract your child for an hour and 20 minutes, there are worse things, I guess, to show them than Halloween Town 2? Yeah, I would agree with you pretty much wholeheartedly. I have this as a three <laughs> because... I do like it. I did enjoy rewatching it simply for the nostalgic effect of it. I also do like Kimberly J. Brown as an actress. I think she was very cute in this. Like she did a good job. No, she she was actually surprised. Like she got a lot better in between movies. I yeah, I think so too. Debbie Reynolds is obviously a, a joy to watch. She's just you know having herself a time in this movie. She's at the point in the last movie too but also this movie where it's like ah fuck it i'm just doing whatever i want i don't have to do shit i don't want to do and this is like a fun time and like yes the story is a muddled mess to the point where my tween age child brain completely blocked out the fact that there is time travel in this movie and i love time travel movies but i totally just did not remember because it is so inconsequential to the point of fucking movie there's no point there's no need for it and a lot of the things in this movie are just convoluted like i said before i was exhausted reviewing the first movie because we were having so much fun and getting so like fucking screwed up in the brain just laughing about it and how fucking insane it is this movie I'm kind of exhausted, but just because I like my head hurts trying to make sense of some of the things that happen here. And the first movie I actually have on my letterboxed list for So Bad It's Good movies. This movie I wouldn't put as So Bad It's Good. I would just kind of put it as an eh movie. The biggest problem is you introduce this world of Halloween towns, this magical world. And this is what bothers me the most about it. And then you took away the magic of it. Yeah, you don't really see much of the the whimsy of Halloween Town, which is a bummer. But I I did enjoy watching it simply for the nostalgia. I think if you haven't seen Halloween Town or Halloween Town Two in a long time, it'll be fun to like revisit it just for funsies. But you know, other than that, you can skip it. Watch the first one. the one, The first one's a much more fun and funny time, I think. Yeah, it is. You know. Again, it's one of those movies that, hey, child of mine, here you go, watch it. Yeah, I think maybe if they had made this movie for more of like a a really like a tween or teenage audience and maybe delve deeper on the Cal-Marnie relationship 
or so you want flash jedi just in halloween town well i am a Raylo fan so yeah kind of but also like just the family relationships and like you said the world of halloween town i think was was fun so just you know if you had made it grow a little more with its audience i think it could have worked out better but yeah <laughs> but uh yeah it it was still a fun time to make fun of some of the things in this movie just not as many things to make fun of in a jovial way than in the first one yes indeed but you know it happens but next week next week we won't be talking about werewolves and we won't be talking about witches oh no no next week We'll be talking about fucking vampires, bitch. Oh, yes, we will. Oh, boy. This is going to be interesting. Vampires <laughs> um, and saxophones. Oh, God. Um, yeah, Scott will be introducing me to another spoopy movie. We might have some guests with us. Not 100%, but we might. And it, it will be fun. Either way, I'm excited. But until then, this has been Shoot the Flick. Also, I just want to make sure you guys are very much aware. There, It's not Twilight. I don't know if there are saxophones in Twilight, but if there are, it's not fucking Twilight. Don't worry. Yes, I would never introduce you to Twilight. Oh, that's true. Yeah, you're introducing me to a movie. Yeah, no, that that's... No. <laughs> um, we, we will never do Twilight on the show. I can guarantee that. So, um, until next week, this has been Shoot the Flick. I'm Frankie Sparks. I'm Scott Eisenberg. Make sure you check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Shoot the Flick and check out our weekly episodes every single Wednesday on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio, and pretty much anywhere else you can find a podcast. And make sure you come back next week for our nail-biting, blood-sucking movie adventure. Calibor! Chocolate bar! 